visit with us. That's his whole plan. He wants, and, and so therefore, he teaches us certain things to do that will unlock his presence in our life. Here's the most amazing thing, is you can have two people standing right next to each other in the same meeting. One can be experiencing heaven, one can be experiencing nothing. What's the difference? See, the difference is, when we go back to the Bible, it says, those who hear these words of mine and, and does them. You see, it's in the doing that God's, God changes us. Because knowledge does nothing for you. You can know a lot about something, but if you never apply it, it's never going to change your circumstance, your, your life, your nothing. So it's in the doing that we find out what God's Word really actually means. And um, so we've had the, the privilege of having gifts that God gave to the body over the last couple of weeks, we had uh, Jeff come and, and start to stimulate the gifts of the Spirit. So, so when things are unlocked, you've got to keep the well open. Okay, you're quiet on me, so I'm going to say that again. When something has been loosed or opened, you've got to keep it open. That's why the gift comes. The gift is not going to come here and stay here. The gift comes with the intention of opening something so that that well can flow and bless that place. Okay? So I want to say that, that something was deposited when Jeff was here. You and I need to exercise that. One of the things that he spoke about was praying in the Spirit. How many of you have upped the game of praying in the Spirit? Don't put up your hands. Don't want to expose anybody. But that's an illustration of how we exercise. Then last week, we were so blessed with Brad. And, and, and what's so amazing, he came and he touched on something that we desperately need to understand more of. So how to praise and to worship the Lord. Now, what I want to say before we even start is that God doesn't tell us to praise Him because He's got a low self-esteem. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't tell us to praise Him because He's got a low self-esteem. He tells us to praise Him because He wants to visit you and I. And He has chosen to use certain things to unlock that in your and my life. So we'll be wise if we will listen to what the Word says and then we start to do that. Amen? So, God's been clearly speaking. What was very interesting is that I think it was about a month ago I met with the worship team and I said, guys, I feel we've polarized in our, in our praise and worship. We do it, and we, but we're stuck. And what was interesting, the apostolic comes and speaks into that very thing. So I'm very excited about what God is about to do with Edgemead PM. But here's the thing. What God wants to do with Edgemead PM is not for Edgemead PM, it's for everyone. Because you're going to mix with people that I'll never see in my life. And God wants them to see in you what He's doing. Therefore, I become the fragrance of Christ wherever I go. So when I'm mixing with other Christians, hopefully the fire on the inside of me is... Wah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> sure, sang my voice to another place tonight. So, I want to talk about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Restoration of the Tabernacle of David. I read this in a, in a Clicks magazine, by the way. And it said this, you have to get into someone's head before you can start to work on the way they live. 
you have to get into someone's head before you can change the way they live. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. And if you, that's why I made the statement. God doesn't want you and I to worship him because he's got a low self-esteem and he kind of like wants to be boosted by you and I. No, he is trying to get you and I to a place to do certain things. The problem is that what he asks us to do sometimes seems crazy in our own head. And then that becomes the reason why I don't do it. What are other people going to think? It doesn't matter what other people think. What does God want to do in your and my life? A long time ago, um, in Bethlehem, no, joking. <laughs> I had the privilege of, of um, going into Mozambique when the war was at its kind of like highest, and there was a lot of uh, orphanages um, and, and people that never had food. And so as a church from Zimbabwe, we went in and we took a lot of food stuff. And the, the heartbreaking thing that I saw was that the United Nations had brought a shipload of maize in, and they were loading it. On, they, they, they actually had to, to protect the lorry with, with firearms because people were so hungry that they wanted to just attack the lorry and just take. And, and, and then as that lorry was driving down the road, and every now and then seeds would fall through the gap of the doors, and, they, and the kids were running down behind the truck, picking up the, the seeds and eating it. There's something that's going to break your heart or something like that. What's that got to do with praise and worship? The thing that happened in Mozambique is that they became so poor and so, so, so in survival mode that the only thing they thought about was to feed themselves when that seed was actually for them to plant so that they could produce more to sustain themselves forever. Sometimes we live our life so short-sighted that we're just doing something for now and not seeing where God is actually trying to take us to. And that's why the Bible says, lift up your eyes to the hills where your help comes from. Our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I want to tell you that the situation you find yourself in and I find myself in is not a bottomless pit that God's arm is too short to reach you. Come on, get excited about that. But there are certain things he's given us as a ladder to get out of that hole. And that's what we are going to look at. Amos 9.11 In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the branches thereof. And I, will, I mean the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as the days of old. I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David. Now, so the, 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 the history about that, Israel once again had abandoned the Lord. And again, they had become captive and everything was destroyed. And God was starting to speak prophetically again. I was going to raise that up again. If we go into Acts chapter 15, verse 16, it says, After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. This is in the New Testament now. So we're not living in Old Testament, we're living in New Testament, which has fallen down, and I will build it again, the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. So in other words, God says, my plan has never changed. He said it in the old, He said it in the new. It is something that you and I are not going to get away from. It doesn't matter what your paradigm is. It doesn't matter what your experience is. God's ways still stay the same. Isn't that nice to know? That's why we can come to Him. Because we know he doesn't, tomorrow morning he doesn't wake up with a different set of rules and stuff. He's going to be, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I better watch this clock today. Because this clock is going to catch me. 
So God is, so, so what happens is here in, in Acts chapter 15, if you go and read the whole context of it, here God is starting to touch the Gentiles because the Jews were closed. The very people that God came for were closed to Him. And so all of a sudden He starts to breathe on the Gentiles and then trusting that the Jews would now start to rise up and also start to enjoy the Lord. And they were, they were kind of like saying, you know, what should the Gentiles do so they can be part of us? And they talk about circumcision and all that kind of stuff. And then Peter, uh, Paul and Barnabas all stand up and they just realize, hey, God's moving on the Gentiles before you even put these things on them. God is moving already. God desires to reach the Jews, but if they're not going to respond, He's going to move on someone else. And I want to tell you, God wants to reach you. God wants to reach me. But if I'm not going to move, He's going to breathe on someone else. He's not going to wait. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving, church. He's moving. You see, when they came out of the, 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 the Egypt, and they, they camped in a place, and they were led by the pillar of fire and the, and the, and the pillar of cloud, remember that? So when that moved, they had to get up and move. God wasn't waiting. Didn't say, is the, is the timing right for you to move? No, no. He just started to move. They had to break ten to move. If they felt like it or they didn't, they had to move. If they were going to move with what God was doing. In Isaiah 2 verse 2, and it says, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will flow unto it. So what he's saying over here, in other words, when he talks about the mountains, he's talking about the presence of God, and he's saying, my presence is going to be above every other mountain, every other God, every other thing that is exalted. My mountain is going to be here above that, and the people are going to flow to that. So now here's the deal. How are people going to see who God is? He has chosen to do it through you and me. That's why your life is important. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? Listen to this. You are not your own. Just bump your neighbor and say, you're not your own. No, no, no. You must tell them. You're not your own. It says this. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your... You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, I want to say this. Remember Egypt coming out? When God moved, they had to move whether they felt like it or not. When God comes and He starts to move in amongst us, guess what? When He starts to move, He's not interested whether you're tired. He's not interested whether you've had a bad week. Okay, I'm, I'm using words now. He actually is interested. Okay, so I want to rewind those words. Maybe he, it doesn't matter what you've been through in the week. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter whether your big toe is paining. It doesn't matter when you get to my age and you, you've played rugby and your knees and everything else are really not... The, not like they used to be. And so jumping up and down, eventually it gets, becomes very sore. So what are you going to do? Just stop when the pain gets there. See, these are the questions you and I are going to have to answer. Because it's, it's what's going to bring breakthrough in your and my life. So let me, let me rewind. Many, many years ago, I was, I was um, while trying to plant a church, I was also doing a job and I was cleaning the inside of airplanes. And airplanes fly seven days a week and they normally 
the airports are functioning about 18 hours a day, and I was, I was on my own. And so that's how I was working. And on a Sunday, I could only get to the first like, two songs of praise and worship, and then I would have to leave to go and fetch my staff because the first airplane would be landing. And after being doing that for one year, only get the two songs in the beginning because that's all I could get. One day, they phoned me and they said, the airplane's been delayed, and for the first time in 18 months, I could actually spend the whole church service there. I went to church that day and I said, God, I am going to magnify your name with everything that I have. I am so desperate. My life has become dry because I've, I've been snacking here and snacking there, and I haven't been able to dwell in your presence for so long. And I went in there. And I will, I will agree with, I'll admit, I started in the flesh. And I danced. And I shouted. And I clapped. And I screamed. And I did everything that I knew. But let me tell you something. That in that meeting, God visited me. And something changed in me. You see, if you and I are not desperate for God to do something, then we're going to miss Him. So in... 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions. Somebody, please say something. You are God's special possessions. It says there, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We sang some amazing words um, in the one chorus that, that, that you guys were singing. Amazing. So, the reason why we declare His praises is because He's called us out of darkness. I don't know if you appreciate you saved. But I do. My life was a mess. A big mess. And I thank God that He, he kind of like turned that around. So the question I want to ask us tonight is, is that when I mention tabernacle, what do you think? Because He's restoring the, the tabernacle of David. When I say tabernacle, what do you think? Can we say again? King? Oh, tent. <laughs> Sound like king. Okay. Tent? A building? Presence of God? Worship? House of God? You see, tabernacle means dwelling. The reason why God built the tabernacle, got them to build the tabernacle, is because he wanted to live amongst his people. That's it. So, but now around the tabernacle, all these things were happening. The worship, the sacrifices, the praise, all that kind of stuff was happening around it. But the main reason was because God wanted to dwell with His people. You see, the presence of God, it was a place for, God to, for people to meet with Him, to tabernacle, dwell there. Now, when you, when you read in the Old Testament, you'll see there's two tabernacles. There was the tabernacle of Moses, when they were coming out of Egypt. And it was all that tents and there was, Moses was given specific instructions on how size and all that kind of stuff. And that was a portable thing. So they had to put it up wherever they were moving, stay there, bring sacrifice. And it was something that they could only go once a year to offer a sacrifice for their sin. Then all of a sudden we come and we see David builds a tabernacle. And he brings the Ark of the Covenant back to that. And the way David brings that back has a lot to do with what God is asking us to do. And you'll see the one of David, David's tabernacle in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 
So why is God going to restore the tabernacle of David? You see, sacrifices are still necessary. But worship has got to do with building my relationship. See, sacrifice has got to fixing my relationship. But worship has got to building my relationship. Sacrifices is positioning me correctly. Worship is for me getting to know who my God is. Entering His presence. Understanding His heart. Understanding His mind. Here's the deal. If I don't get into... I'm going to use words now again. If I don't get into God's head and don't understand why He's telling me to do this, I'll never understand. And I'll miss a lot of what He's trying to communicate to us. So here's an observation. If He's restoring the tabernacle of David... It's because that's what he wants. That's what he likes. That's what he desires. So let's take note of what the tabernacle is all about. See, God's restoring praise and worship. When the enemy gets hold of you, what is almost the last thing you want to do? You see, because the enemy is able to mess with my emotions. Because then I go, everything about what I feel like. Not about what I should be doing. So here's the deal. Teenagers, when they give them a chance, they'll sleep till midday. But us who now work, we know that when that alarm clock goes off at whatever time you set it, you've got to get your lathe out of that bed and you've got to get because somebody's waiting for you. Right? You don't get out of the bed because sometimes you want to. It's like, I have to. And so I get out there. And sometimes we're going to have to start to do that with our walk with the God. God, I don't feel like this right now. But because your word says so, and I'm going to do this. And I might, like me on the, that meeting, I might have to start in the flesh. I might have to kick my own rusty dusty a little bit and get myself going. So in Psalm 22 verse 3 it says, But you are a holy enthroned, in other words, you're crowned, in the praises of Israel. In other words, God says, I dwell in your praises. I dwell there. That's the very thing that drills me to you. So God knows that His presence will change us. He knows that. Because you can't hang around a holy, awesome, magnetic, uh, magnetic magnificent, he is magnetic. <laughs> God and not change. Okay, let me ask, ask a, a question right now. For us, Mana, when we were looking for a wife and you saw somebody, what were you prepared to change so that you could win her? Don't, don't say. But you see, I was prepared to change a lot of stuff so I could gain her. Right? Any men not agreeing with me? Exactly. Why? Because when I hung around her, something was ignited on the inside of me. And I believe it's exactly the same when I'm serving God. When I hang around God, something gets ignited on the inside of me. And my love for Him is more and more. Here's the deal. Why why do relationships all of a sudden become strained and they, they become distant? is when you're not spending time with each other. Right? Our relationship with Jesus is exactly the same. I'm feeling very distant from God. Oh, you know what happened? God never moved. He's still where He is where you left Him the last time. The one that moved is me. Jeez. Sorry about saying all these things. But these are the things that we need to know. 
And so we know that God's presence will change us. So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is bringing back the ark. Brad spoke about it last week and he spoke out of there. And I'm going to reiterate a couple of things out of there. And they were doing it all wrong. They put the ark on the cart and they were actually supposed to be carried by the Levites. And, and all of a sudden something happens and Uzzah, the, the guy that's in charge, he touches the thing to stabilize it because it was going to fall off the cart. He puts it in hand out and he drops down dead. David gets mad, scared, everything else. He leaves it at Obed-Edom's Obed home. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 12, 2 Samuel 6. It says, Now King David was told that the Lord was blessing the household of Obed-Edom, and therefore he has uh, uh, everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord listen to this, had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Stop there. Every six steps, they sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now, I don't know whether you, when you read the Bible, what do you get out of it? But immediately my brain wants to know how far did they go. Uh, so I googled. <laughs> I googled. How far is Ebon Ibn's house from Jerusalem? And the Google tells me 10 kilometers. <laughs> Presuming that one step is one meter, every six meters they were sacrificing a bull and a calf. How many bulls and how many calves did they sacrifice? 1,666 bulls and 1,666 calves. Okay, so my brain now goes and says, okay, how much did that cost, David? In today's language, I went on to Google. Praise God for Google, because he kind of gives you a good, good idea of certain things. Now, what I'm telling you is of useless information. I'm telling you that now, but I want to pull something out of it. So one bull is between 50,000 to 130,000 rand. One bull. So let's take 50 as a, as a, as a good figure to work from, because it's easy. So 1,666 times 50,000 works out to be 83 million rand. 83 million rand. A calf goes between five to 10,000. So let's work on five, the bottom figure. 1,600 is 8 million rand. So there, immediately, it's 90 million rand. It cost David to bring the ark from Obed Ibn's home back to Jerusalem. How many of you would sacrifice that? I wanted to make a statement now, but let me leave that alone, otherwise I get myself into trouble. How long did it take for them to bring? I don't know how long it took now to sacrifice a bull and a calf every six steps. I don't understand that, so I could, and Google wouldn't help me either. So we're going to leave that one alone. So here's the thought that I want to bring out of this whole thing. Remember what the number 666 means? Okay. Number of men. Speaks about the Antichrist. It speaks about everything ungodly. Okay. So I'm not saying this is, I'm just telling you so I can tie this thing into what I feel we can draw out of this whole exercise of bulls, calves, da -da 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 -da, everything else. That 666 is the mark of the beast in Revelation. It's Antichrist, anti God, anti everything that is godly. Okay. If you want to 
kill everything ungodly in you, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. That's just the simple truth of what comes out of all these figures. If you want the presence of God, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to hit the flesh on the head. Because the Bible tells me flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And the enemy will keep me and you in the flesh, run by my emotions, run by my circumstances, as long as I will allow it. Jesus has defeated the enemy and the only power that he has over your and my life is what I give him. So therefore, if I'm going to allow him in, you give him a finger, he's going to take your whole arm. That's how I've got to know him. You give him a little bit, he takes a lot. When you open your eyeballs, you get to realize, yo, 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 how did I get here? In 2 Samuel 24, 24, David said to Aruna. When David had messed up and he was trying to fix up and then he had to, had to go and uh, um, sacrifice and he had to go and get a threshing floor and whatever and, and Arun, Arun, I think that's how you say it. He said, you can take, you can take the threshing floor, you can take the oxen, you can have it. And this is what David said. No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. You see, if something doesn't cost me and you, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Let me tell you a funny story. Do you know what? Okay. Do you know that a company car can go faster than any other car? Did you know that? Did you know that a company car can leave longer black lines on the tar away from the traffic light than any other car? It can go around corners faster. It can break faster. It can, it, can do, it can do donuts. It can do anything. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to you. And you don't pick up the ball. And you don't have to fix it when it's broken. But your car, guaranteed, you've never dropped the clutch and read black marks anywhere. Guaranteed that when you come up, you don't slam on your brakes. You can't like use your engine. Why? Because you get to realize that when you send that thing for maintenance one day, you're going to have to brake pads and tires and da 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 da, and the bull becomes this massive, and you think, What was I thinking? And I want to say in our Christian walk, if it doesn't cost you anything, you'll never appreciate it. That you'll come, maybe you'll come in here and you'll sit, and the praise and worship team have prayed, and people have prayed before. And, and because the presence of God has cost you nothing, you'll sit and you will just, okay, well, God bless me. And God's saying, no, I want you to bless me. Because when you bless me, I release something over you. We come because I love God. I love Him more than anything else. And I've got to realize that this thing's not going to work by me doing it my way. If you go to verse, on top of all the stuff that the 18 million, uh, I mean the 83 million and the, and the 8 million and da, 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 all that kind of stuff in verse 70. We're going to get there, but I'm just going to put those all things together on top of this. So da in verse 70 says, David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings when they got to the, the temple. And burnt offerings are speaking about sacrifices to turn mourning and repentance to celebration and joy. Okay? So I want to tell you that when you and I come and we start to 
put in here a burnt offering. In other words, I'm burning stuff that I really don't have. I'm, I am choosing to bless God. When everything on the inside of me is saying, don't. Just sit and just muff. It, it brings celebration and joy. And fellowship offerings speak about offering given to the Lord in thanksgiving for the peace between worship and the Lord. Lord, thank you for the peace that I have with you. Now, when he did that, it says, David blessed the people and he gave every man and every woman a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. What other cake of dates? I don't know. And what is a cake of raisins? I don't know. But a bread, I do. So how many people were there? <laughs> you see my brain. How many people were there? Well, all I know is if I go back to verse 1, it says that David took 30,000 able men with him when he went to go and fetch the ark. 30,000. When he got back to town, guaranteed, all the women came out as well. So let's just work on that figure, and we're doubling it to 60,000, but I'm sure there were more people than that. Okay? So all these figures are... And if all those three things, as I was kind of like, what is a loaf of bread today? 20 rand, whatever, nice bread, maybe 30 rand, I'm not too sure. So let's say the dates and the raisins and whatever is a little bit more. So let's say that he spent 100 rand on every person. Do you think that would be a good figure? Times about 60,000, you land up with 6 million rand. On top of his 90 million that he's already spent on every sacrifice that he's done along the road. He's restoring the tabernacle of David. <laughs> Where the sacrifice that David was prepared to pay was endless. Endless. That when he had given out a lot already and there was a demand for more, he did even more. I hope this is helping somebody. So it doesn't cost us anything. Every sacrifice counts. And doing it... So here's the thing. Every sacrifice counts. Now here's, here's the thing. What is faith going to do for you when you've got nothing to believe God for? Nothing. You see, faith counts when I have a challenge. And I have to put it into being. But I can't just all of a sudden whip up faith. So I should be building my faith as I go. And so what happens is, here's exactly the same. Don't wait until a crisis hits you to learn how to praise and worship God. Let's learn to praise and worship Him now. Let's take every moment that we have when there's no pressure in our life. Let's learn to dance and to clap and to celebrate and to shout and do all those things. When it's easy because when it's hard, it's going to be even harder to do. Going back. To our second Samuel 6, picking up from verse 14. Wearing a linen ephod. I think I must come. Stephen said I must come with the ephod or something. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all the Israelites were bringing up the ark of the Lord. With shouts and with the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from the window. Hello there. And when he, she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Here's his wife despising her husband. Standing in their quarters, looking through, totally distant from it. You see, here comes the thing. When you are distant from something, you don't understand, so therefore you will always criticize. You will always find fault with something. <laughs> have you noticed how many people that are not on the rugby field have got all the advice <laughs> why are you sitting in the grandstand why are you not on the field why are you not playing the game 
Understand? And so you and I mustn't be grandstand Christians. We need to be on the field playing Christians. Where was I now? Verse 70, they brought the ark and set it in the place inside the tent and David pitched, had pitched for it and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings I told you about. And after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty and he gave him a loaf of cake, dates, raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israel. Both men and women and all the people went there to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in the view of all the slave girls of his servants, and as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or another from this house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I pray that we will take it and write it on our fridges. I will become more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but in these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter, here, here is, you need to underline this in your Bible, and Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. She was barren. She was barren. And I want to say that if we and I don't become people that know how to worship God, we're going to become barren. We're not going to be able to lead people to Jesus. Our lives are going to be empty. There's going to be no life in us. Why? Because life comes from the presence of the Lord. You see, sometimes praise and worship is going to make us vulnerable. We're going to have to lower down our, 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 our facades. We're going to have to become real with people. Sometimes we don't want that. We don't want people to be able to look in to see what's going on. See, the, the ark was the point of the focus, and David didn't care about what people thought. The only thing he cared about was, well, God, what do you think? May we build our lives. God, what do you think? God, are you pleased? If you're pleased, we will continue. If you're not pleased, we will change. Can we build our lives like that? Moses said, God, if you send us and you don't go with us, we don't want to go. We don't want to go. Because they realized that the presence of God was just amazing. Our praise must be God-focused for getting to try and impress people. You see, our praise and worship must be to minister unto the Lord, to declare who He is, to declare His power, make His name great, touch heaven, position ourselves for breakthrough, be refreshed, make the devil mad. Make the devil mad. In Acts chapter 13, 2, this is what it says of David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Wow. It will fulfill all my will. In Acts 13, 36, for David, after he had, listen to this, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. David, after he had served the will of God for his generation, what did he do? He demonstrated God to people. He demonstrated God. Paul says this, that I may know you, the power of your resurrection. We don't want to be stale people walking around so religious in our ways 
that we have no impact at all. No. God has anointed you and I to bring the presence of God wherever we go, into your working environment, to your next door neighbor. Everywhere you and I go, God wants to bring his presence because he wants to change people. So what is he saying over here? He served the generation. Everything David did with regard to worship were the things God desired for his people. And it was a living, live example for them to follow. Are you and I a living, live example to follow? And where is my notes now? They've jumped. Where are we? Where are we? Come, come back, come back, come back. So remember I made the statement, you have to get into someone's head before you can start working on the way they live. If you and I don't understand what God is saying about praise and worship and why is he wanting us to do these things, it'll never make sense in my head. It'll never. Does gravity make sense to you? That something is spinning and if I take something and I spin it, it it disappears from the thing I'm spinning it. Let me, t- let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what we used to do. You know this lazy Susan? You call it lazy Susan, that thing that spins in the middle of the table? Yeah. So, so this is what, okay, these are Zimbabwe toys that we play with, okay? So we have this thing, and, we go, and this is the pastor that I was with that day. And we put a plate on there, and everybody's around the table. And then we spin that lazy Susan until the plate goes flying, and then you've got to catch it before it breaks. So that's what, that's what gravity, well, that's what spinning does. It, but now when it comes to the earth, the spinning actually makes me stick to it. And what's also crazy right now, if you can look where Af- South Africa is, you're actually standing upside down. I mean, these things don't make sense. But are they real? They're real. They're working. And worship is exactly the same. Some of the things, when, when it comes to giving... How can you get more money when you give what you have away? That doesn't make sense. If you want, you've got to start a hoard. You've got to put it in the bank. Don't spend it. Da, 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 da. And God says, no, I want you to be generous with it. Because when you're generous with it, I will send to you more than you can handle. That doesn't make sense. But you see, God doesn't make sense so that he can be gone God. That's just how it is. Unless I change the way I think, I will stay the way I am. If we keep doing the things we're doing, we'll keep getting the things we've got. Are we happy with our Christian life right now? Are you fulfilled? Have you hit the top? You've got everything that you need. You've, you've, you've saturated everything. There's nothing that you need. It's not one of us sitting in this room. There's nobody in this world that has got a fulfilled life totally. We'll only find it in Jesus. Until I'm prepared to lose myself in God's presence, I will never find myself in Him. Mr. Time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward through a bunch of things because I want to end off with something which is going to set us up for next week. Is that okay? Can I do that? So when should we praise the Lord? You're going to work through that in the comms. Okay, I'm going to send that information to... In fact, let me, let, me, let, me, let me do that one. When should we praise the Lord? Psalm 40, 16. Let all those who seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let the, such a... Such as love the thy salvation, say continually, the Lord be magnified. 
that those who love Him continually say, the Lord be magnified. When should we praise Him? Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or immorality. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 13.5.15 says, By Him, Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Where should we praise the Lord? Well, in the congregation, right over here. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. You're going to do that through comp. Number two, in your home. I want to make a powerful statement right now. You will never be in public what you're not in private. I'm going to say it again. You will never be in public what you're not in private. If you're not doing something at home, you're not going to do it up here. It's not going to be sustainable. Eventually somebody's going to see through you because you're living two different lives. That is why my time with God on my own, this meeting becomes an overflow of that. So in our homes, before unbelievers, and we're going, to, we're going to land over here. Number three, how should we praise God? How should we praise Him? So I asked the worship team a couple of weeks ago, I wanted them to go and to look for every different word that they had, could find in the Bible that speaks about how God instructs us to be able to praise and to worship Him. So these are the headlines that I'm going to give you, and then next week... Let me, let me throw this out as a, as a sneak preview. What is, when, when the Bible says clap your hands, what do you think he's trying to tell you? Clap your hands. Keep your hands warm in winter. Keep a beat. Hey? Do, is there maybe something spiritually happening when you and I are clapping our hands? That is a truth that God puts into place so that when we use it, something is happening in the heavens. Because the Bible tells me, my fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly realm. So again, this thing doesn't make sense. But when you and I are starting to, 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 to apply these things that I'm going to land on right now, maybe something is happening in the heavenlies. And if we go and have a look at all the different words that God uses, and we put them together, there's kind of like a theme. How should we praise the Lord? We praise Him that we can be heard. What do you use so people can hear you? My voice. It says, praise me with the shout. My voice. Praise me with singing. My voice. With thanksgiving. It's an attitude. My attitude means a lot. I can have a stinking attitude. And I can have a brilliant attitude. When you walk in here, what attitude do you and I have? A joyful noise. My voice. Crying out. My voice. Speaking in tongues. My voice. With, with laughter. That's my voice. Musical instrument. Now it's taking my body to do that. Uh, where are we? Musical instrument. With bowing and kneeing. That's my body. Falling prostrate before the Lord. My body. Clapping of hands. My body. Lifting up my hands. The body. Dancing. The body. Standing. The body. 
Everything about praise and worship is going to require everything that's in you and everything you're made of. <laughs> so, so that's it. That's why this becomes the temple. It says that this temple was bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with this lafi. Everything that it has, all my senses, all my energy. <laughs> I think some of us are going to have to go and start doing a bit of gym. <laughs> because we get tired after three, three, no, 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 no. I can't even sing anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> so I believe where we have to get spiritually fit, but sometimes we have to work on this physical body because this physical body contains the presence of God and therefore I need to look after it. So therefore I've chosen in my life to try and stay fit. And therefore I run and I do all sorts of crazy things. Because when I come to praising God, I don't want to be limited by running out of oxygen. I want to make sure that I have enough energy to keep on going and keep on going. In fact, I want to, I want to outdo every young person. But that's got nothing to do with my sermon. So we're going to expand on those things. And I'm asking you, please don't miss next week. Because I think it's going to be key. And I want to tell you now, don't come late for church next Sunday. Okay, don't come late. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you why. We're going to swap everything around. We're going to do the word first, and then we're going to give opportunity to learn or to do all these things. Is that okay? Okay, so we're going to exercise them because I remembered that, you know, if, if, I don't know of anybody who has read a book and then jumped into a car and gone and driven it off. Because you can't learn to drive by reading a book. You'll learn where everything is. But when it comes to that clutch and accelerator, it's amazing what that car can do. It boom, 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 stall, do, 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 whatever. And we need to now learn on how to put all these things together so that they work properly. And I need to practice them. I need to practice them. Not one musician picked up a guitar and just knew every chord and whatever. It's taken hours of learning and playing the chord and practicing and getting the, beat, the rhythm and everything else. And it's taken hours and hours that you never saw. But when the day they stood up over here, because they've practiced, they brought the presence of God. Have we grown in the way we praise and worship our Father? When was the last time we were creative in the way we worshipped Him? Do you choose to praise the Lord because you love Him? Because you're grateful? Because you're thankful and appreciative? And you praise Him because of who He is? That's the reason why I do what I do. I don't praise Him because, and there's my last statement, let's stop using the Lord as a shopping list. Every time I come to the Lord, Lord, I need, 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 amen. No. Let's go in and start to magnify Him and magnify Him and magnify Him. And you know what? When you please Him, He automatically just lets the stuff go anyway. And He blesses you. And His glory comes and His fire comes and everything comes and you change and your life is like transformed. Paul says this, Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering becoming conformed to his death. That I may know him. I want to know him. 
I want to know his heartbeat. I want to know his thinking. I want to know what he's feeling. I want to, I want to know everything. Everything that I can, I want to know. But it's just not going to happen if I don't press into his presence and get to rub my shoulder with his shoulder. Amy, let's pray. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Psalmist says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Father, we want to magnify your name above every other name. Worship team, can I ask you to come up, please? We want to magnify you above our emotions, our feelings, our pressures, things that, that are not making sense right now. We want to magnify you above those things tonight. We choose to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We choose, Lord Jesus, to declare your greatness and your magnificence in spite of David said this, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I praise you. It's not about what happens to me, it's about God, who and what I am doing in response to you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your word says that you love us. I thank you that you say we are special, and that we are royal priesthood and a holy nation of people that you've called and you've washed and you've cleansed and you've drawn to you. Father, may we be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, and we give you praise. Just bring the volume down a little bit. So with our head bows and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you, you're sitting in this room right now. 